After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day, I started way too early. Let me go back. Sorry. (laughs) Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Well, we uh, call this uh, passage of Scripture the Great Commission. And in Matthew's Gospel, it's the final words that Jesus speaks to his disciples and to us. And so they are important words for us to hear and understand. The uh, 11 disciples went to Galilee, and they met the resurrected Jesus on the mountain there. Uh, There were only 11 of them, not 12. Uh, As you recall, Judas fell away. Uh, Actually, they all fell away. The only difference is Judas didn't find his way back. And so it seems like you always lose somebody along the way. So they met Jesus on the mountain. And in Matthew's gospel, a lot of important things happen in mountains. Uh, The temptation of Jesus takes place in a mountain. The transfiguration of Jesus takes place in the mountain. But for Matthew, I think the most important thing that takes place on a mountain is the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus teaches us what it means to really be a disciple, what a disciple looks like. And so I think it's really interesting uh, that in the Greek New Testament, all the other mountains in Matthew, uh, there's no definite article. It always just says a mountain. But when it refers to the Sermon on the Mount or to this passage of Scripture right here, it's the only two places where the definite article the is used. So both times he says the mountain. Jesus was on the mountain. And it's led a lot of scholars to believe that it's the same place. And so where Jesus speaks these words of the Great Commission, he's standing where he was standing when he spoke the Sermon on the Mount. And if that's true, then that really changes a little bit of our understanding because when Jesus says, go out and teach them, what he's talking about teaching them is teaching them the Sermon on the Mount. Teach them to live like the Sermon on the Mount. That's what it means to be my disciples. And so that ups the bar considerably from uh, so much of what passes for discipleship today. And so the 11 met Jesus there uh, on the mountain, and the scripture says they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, some people would say those two things don't go together, but, but I would disagree. I insist that they do. I mean, let's be honest. How many Sundays have you come to church? Not quite sure you believe everything, but, but you came anyway. And, and you know, on some Sundays, as we will do today, or on every Sunday, we say the Apostles' Creed like we'll do later on. But on some Sundays, when you say that creed, 
It is just a robust, you know, proclamation of your faith and of what you believe. Other Sundays, it's just kind of whistling in the dark. A little doubt's a good thing. It keeps us thinking. It keeps us praying. It keeps us humble. Frederick Bigner wrote, if you don't have doubts, you're either kidding yourself or asleep. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. <laughs> they keep it moving. They keep it alive. Doubts are what help us to move on to a more mature faith that helps us to actually live and in, in, in navigate the world that we live in. And so Jesus gave them and us uh, a mission. We call it the Great Commission. To go out and to make disciples of everybody. And that's what he told them to do, what he told us to do. Go make disciples of everybody. And Fred Craddock points out that through the years, some people have misunderstood that word make. Um, they think Jesus commanded his disciples to coerce people to follow Jesus. But, but Jesus never did that. Jesus never coerced anyone into following him. Jesus always gave people room. He gave them room to choose. And uh, if you remember the story uh, of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and, and knew that his problem was that his, his life was just cluttered with too much stuff. And so Jesus said, if you really want to find life, you're going to have to get rid of some of that stuff. And it turned out that the man was really rich and he didn't want to get rid of his stuff. And he didn't want to lose the respect that all that stuff gave him. And so he walked away and says Jesus was, was sad, but he let him walk away. He gave him room. He let him make his choice. And, and there have been many times and places when, where people have been emotionally coerced or socially coerced or even militantly coerced into following Jesus. There was a, a poor Jewish couple living in Germany and they were very qualified uh, accountants. They had their credentials and degrees. And they knew what they were doing. But they couldn't find a job anywhere. They lived among uh, a town of, of Protestant Christian neighbors. But no one would hire them because they weren't Christians. And so finally, to keep from starving to death, they went down and joined the local church and submitted to baptism so that they could get a job. And they had a son named Carl. Karl Marx, and it infuriated him that the church would do that to his parents. And when he grew up, he became a huge enemy of everything that we love, all because somebody thought you can coerce people into being a believer. When the church tries to coerce people, we always run people off. And we always do great harm. But when we just love people, like Jesus loved people, and give them room, then they are attracted to Jesus. And they fall in love with him too. What a good, when will we ever, ever learn that lesson? And, and so who are we supposed to love and give room to? 
Jesus said, everybody. And I am sure that his disciples were shocked. And so are we if we take this seriously. I mean, surely he didn't mean everybody. Because I got to tell you, everybody includes some people I don't like. (laughs) Now, the problem with saying everybody is welcome is sooner or later, everybody shows up. (laughs) Then what you going to do? You know, we we Methodists, uh, we say we're a people of open hearts and open minds and open doors. That means everybody. Dear Jesus, I hope we mean it. And then he said, baptize them, sprinkle them, pour water over their heads, hold them under till they bubble. (laughs) I don't care how you do it. But they need a chance to commit. They need an opportunity to stand up in front of other doubting worshipers and say, I'm here. You can count on me. No secret commitments, no divided loyalties. Love them, give them room, and then give them the opportunity to stand up and say, this is who I am now. This is what God has done for me. And he said, do it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, so there it is, the, the Trinitarian formula. Today is Trinity Sunday, and that's why the lectionary included this passage of Scripture. Because they were trying to trick us pastors into actually preaching a sermon on the Trinity. <laughs> now, uh, if I were brave, I might attempt it. But I'm not. So I'm going to just skip it. I'm only going to say this. The idea of the Trinity becomes easier to understand if you drop the numbers. God is not three. God is one. We serve one God. And however we understand Trinity, there's only one God, not three. And there are numerous analogies that people have used through the years, you know, to try to help us understand. Our life together is a play upon a world stage in which God is simultaneously the author, the main actor, and the director. God writes the script, performs the play, directs the play. God is the lover, the beloved, and the love. God is the speaker, the argument, and the audience. I think theologian Stanley Hauerwas probably said it best. He said, lose the numbers. God is one. Trinity is God repeating himself. And he said, teach them everything I've commanded you. So back to the beginning of of the sermon, if If Jesus is standing right where he was standing when he did the Sermon on the Mount, then everything I commanded you he's referring to is the Sermon on the Mount. Teach them to live like I taught you to live in the Sermon on the Mount. Teach them that if they're to be my followers, then they're to be peacemakers. They're to live nonviolently and be faithful to their commitments They're to show love to those who are vulnerable. They're to tell the truth. They're to love and pray for their enemies, not foster hatred. That's at least a start. 
from what he taught us in the Sermon on the Mount? Teach them. Teach them what they need to know to carry out the exact same mission that Jesus was on while he was here among us in the flesh. And then finally, Jesus said, I am with you. He promised to be with us while we carried out his mission. In Luke's gospel, the last words Jesus spoke to the disciples were as he was departing, ascending into heaven. And those were words of departure. But in Matthew's gospel, by contrast, the words of Jesus are a promise of his continued presence with us. I'm not leaving you. I will always be with you. So as you go about your lives, tell people about Jesus. Don't force them. Don't coerce them. Tell them, love them, and give them room. Let them decide. And by the way, that means all people. That means everybody. And you know, Jesus didn't just say that for their benefit because everybody needs to know that God loves them. Jesus also said that for our benefit because we need to learn to grow past our prejudices and and all the ways that we alienate people and, and, and stay away from people different from us. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to live like Jesus taught us to live in the Sermon on the Mount. There's some things I don't understand, but I believe that. (laughs) Don't you?